0: Come on, everybody, let's praise him. Let's give God all the highest praise that we can. God, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Listen, before you have a seat, give somebody a high five, fist bump, elbow, chicken wing hug, something to somebody. And if they're already sitting, kiss them if you're related. If not, hands off. Anyway, it's good to be. Thank you so much. Can you stay there for a little bit? You're doing so awesome. Hey guys, I just want to say hi. Um, Thank you, Jared, for having me here. Thank you for inviting me into your family, into your world. It's a privilege and an honor to be here. This is a world-class church, everybody. It's world-class. And I know maybe um, you think this is normal. This is not normal. This is not normal. The presence of God in this place, incredible worship. I've got worship envy. Can a pastor have envy? Grace upon grace... I thank God, and it is amazing location, facility, the valley. I think this is amazing, and thank you so much for having me. It is my honor to be here today. Um, your brother, I really appreciate you very, very much. Thank you so much for treating me so, so well. Your people's hearts are amazing. This is my last service. I'm going to pour it all on. I'm going to tell you, your staff is amazing. Your volunteers are incredible. Everybody has been amazing and you guys have built an amazing church and an amazing house where everybody can find Jesus at a place like this. And that's the kind of church that we all want to pastor. And I'm thankful for the church that I've, brother, I've found in a church like this. It is amazing in Jesus' name. Can you thank your pastors for this amazing church, everybody? It's so good. Mm. Awesome. Hey, real quick, I, I just want to show you my family. Can I show you a picture of my family? Here it is. That's my beautiful wife, Lisa. She's right there. Yeah, She's, she's, so, she's so awesome. She's so fine. Uh, we've been married for 24 years. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Jesus. It has been the best 24 years of Lisa's life. <laughs> my life. Seriously, my life. Hers, too, though. We get it. We, 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 it's awesome. She didn't like that picture. She said, my eyelashes weren't working on my left side. I said, I know, but I look good, babe. I, I, I know. I know. It's all good. Above that is my mom and dad and my siblings and my nieces and my nephews. Uh, we, we, all, we all live in Hawaii. They all moved to Phoenix. They moved to Portland all over. So that's my dad in the middle. My dad's John Kai. He's Hawaiian, Chinese, Norwegian, Scottish, all kinds of stuff, Cherokee, Indian. We call him the big kahuna. Uh, he deserves it because he's the man. And then next to him is my beautiful mom, Esther Kai. My mom is beautiful. She she's holds us all together. She's half Filipino, half Italian. I know. How does that happen, right? That's weird, right? World War II. That's how that one happened. All right, never mind, moving right along. Um, she was a nurse, he was a Marine, and they got married. So anyway, moving right along. And below that is my, my, myself, my wife, my kids, Carson, Rebecca. I've got all girls, um, and, so, and I've got three guns as well. And then um, that's Courtney, my oldest daughter, on my right-hand side. My son-in-law, Jason, and my two grandchildren right there. Yes, I'm a grandfather. I turned 50, uh, part of my testimony in Jesus' name. Amen? Are you ready? Before I get started, I just want to go home um, with a lighter suitcase and so I wanna give this away. This is a book that my wife wrote called Perfectly You. It's her overcoming her Um, she's an immigrant coming to Hawaii, she didn't speak the language, God did something in her life, overcoming insecurity, she's amazing, and I want to give this book away, I'm just going to give it to you, because you're right here, and then you get this book right here, this is called Plateaus, behind you, yeah, the lady right behind you, it's when you get stuck in life, I'm not saying that you're stuck, I'm just not saying that, I'm just saying that maybe if you've ever hit a ceiling, if you have ever in a valley of transition, if you're ever wondering, God, what are you trying to do during the season of my life, this book is for you, so could you give that to her, brother, I appreciate that, all right, can we start, everybody? Thank you so much. Would you, would you, do me a favor. If you respond, I will be fast, I promise. But if you go quiet on me, we're going to be here for three hours. I'm playing. All right. So we go, looks like we're going to be here for three hours then. <laughs> come on. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for the revelation of the word, the logos, the rhema. But Lord, I pray that you give us a revelation for our lives. Lord, I pray that you take this word. Help me to say what I never meant to say. Help me to see what I never saw before. God, may we hear your voice through my voice. God, we love you, we honor you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, praise him one more time, everybody. Awesome. Thank you. What a great keyboard player you got there, brother. Judges chapter 6 today, Judges chapter 6, if you would open your Bibles. I love the book of Judges. I love the Old Testament. I I love the Gospels. I love everything about it. But what I do love about the book of Judges, I love to see how God uses ordinary people. During the book of Judges, these are men and women that God raised up. We got a woman named Deborah that God used. And in fact, he used two women at the same time. He used a woman named Jael, or also known as Yael. And he would use her as well as Deborah to overcome the enemy. This is in the time of Israel. The Bible says that when everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. Everybody said, "God, God is not... God be the judge, uh, don't judge me Uh, During that time, they decided that they would live their lives the way that they wanted to They were the generation that came out of, uh, not the generation that came out of Egypt, out of captivity It was the generation that was after Joshua as they entered into the promised land They had promised land problems, you know what I'm talking about The next generation walked into the promised land Did not remember the, the sacrifices that the generations before them had paid But also never learned the lessons that the generation before them had learned And this is where we find ourselves in the text today as we read from the book of Judges. The book of Judges, it is not a book necessarily of judges. This is not Judge Wapner of the 80s. This is not Judge Judy. These are military judges. It actually should be called and was at one time called the book of deliverers, the book of deliverers, because these men and these women would come in and deliver Israel from their bondage because it was a time that when when people wanted a king and God wouldn't not give them a king, and everyone did what was evil in their own eyes. We find a man named Gideon. We're going to read about him, and during the period of the Judges, what would happen is it was a cycle. You ever been in this cycle before, where you would live and do well, and then all of a sudden you'd forget about God. They'd forget about God, and then they would turn away from God. Then they would turn to idols and worship idols, and um, then from there God would bring in some punishment so that they would turn their backs unto Him. He would remove His presence, and then they would cry out. God would send a judge. He would send a deliverer. He would raise them up, and then that deliverer would come and conquer the enemy, and then they would have years of peace. It would be the same cycle all. All over again in the book of Judges, repeated one after another. So now we've got maybe the fifth or the fourth judge, and his name is Gideon. We all know about Gideon, Gideon's mighty men, Gideon's warriors, pared down from 10,000. Now all of a sudden, you got the original 300. This is that man, Gideon. The Bible helps us find it right here in the book of Judges chapter 6. And I'm just going to go immediately to verse 11 because they had already turned their backs on God. God sends a prophet to say, see, I told you so, and then leaves. How's that? He he drops the mic and he leaves. Did I say that? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he drops the mic and he leaves. Then in verse 7, verse 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ibeazer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide grain from the Midianites. Well, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt and now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. Am I not sending you? I am sending you. Then, but Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. You will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, Lord, if the Lord is truly with us, uh, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. Today's message I want to entitle, it's called, It Was Good For Me. It was good for me. We find Gideon at the bottom of a wine press. Earlier I told you why, he was in, why uh, God had to send a deliverer. But the deliverer had not been sent yet. The deliverer was in the wine press. He's doing something that you don't normally do. He's threshing wheat in the wine press. Now, if you've ever seen wine presses before, you've gone to wine country or you've been to Europe or you've been to the Middle East, they come in all shapes and sizes. They could be big tubs, you know what I'm talking about? And you would have friars or you would have what they would call priests would jump in and the grapes would drop in and they'd roll up their pants and they'd pull up the robes and they would be crushing grapes with their bare feet those were the days that you did that back then as a matter of fact back in the 80s Ernest and Julio Gallo would say we will not sell any wine before it is time if you're old like me now what we begin to see is now during that time in Israel you would either have wine presses that were hewn out of rock that weren't very high they could be only knee-high and there were some that we found throughout history and when I've been to Israel that we've seen that some of them actually could be six feet deep. I would propose in this message that Gideon is threshing wheat in a place that is deep enough that he could hide the grain from the Midianites. Can I get an amen? He's hiding the grain from the Midianites, but he's threshing wheat In a wine press, wine presses are made for wine. Obviously, the wine is not flowing. Obviously, the rain is not dropping. Obviously, the Midianites are doing everything that they can to strip the land bare. So he's doing the best that he can with the circumstances that he has been given in his life. He is threshing wheat at the bottom a wine press. When you thresh wheat, you need to go up to a high place. You need to go up onto a hill. What you need in order to thresh wheat is you need a winnowing fork. You take the winnowing fork and you throw it up in the air. You throw the chaff up in the air with the kernels there. The chaff would blow away. The kernel would fall to your feet. You gather up the kernel. You grind it with a mill. And there you would have the flour in order for you to have your bread. And that was a sign of the prosperity and the blessing of God. The Bible actually said in the book of Leviticus, a kiss, that your threshing wheat will overlap your uh, will overlap your gathering seasons. They will overlap one another because of the goodness of God. But because they turned their backs on God, because they were not following the Lord anymore and were acknowledging Yahweh, God had to send a deliver because they were worshiping other idols. And so He's going to raise up a deliver, and his young, this young man's name is Gideon. Gideon is found threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Throughout Israel, what you would find if people were up on hills, you would see the blessing. As you looked at the horizon, throughout all the hills of Israel, you would see threshing, threshing going on, winnowing forks in the air. They would wave the forks in the air and they wave them like they just don't care. Somebody say, Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. oh, they told me you were quiet and you're not. And they would throw it up in the air. And all over that hill, you'd see the fanning. And all over that hill, you'd see the wheat. And all over Israel, that's what you would see. But Gideon is threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Now, what is a wine press? A wine press is simple. It's either hewn out of rock or it's made out of wood. But I want to propose that is it possible that wine presses could be built up in our minds? Or is it possible that we could find ourselves stuck in some sort of a wine press where it is either manufactured for you or maybe it is hewn out of rock somehow through the difficult times of your life? That we could also end up ourselves in a wine press. In a wine press, there is no breeze. In a wine press, there is no wind. In a wine press, you don't, you can't see. And what begins to happen is we allow ourselves to stay in wine presses or pits, whatever you want to call them, plateaus or seasons of stuckness that we stay there longer than we need to. Now I don't know how you ended up in one. I've ended up in one before. I've been in a wine press. I've been stuck in a place before. I was younger, and a lot of the men heard my testimony. And the other services I have, so in order to understand how I think and where I came from and the goodness of God. I was 21 years old when I came to Jesus. I was not only 21, but I was 17, 18, 19 when I totally, I did not know the Lord. I had a knowledge of him, never not, and didn't have a heart for him. I knew I was afraid of him, but I didn't think he loved me. I didn't want him involved in my life unless I really needed him, and I would cry out to him just like the Israelites, only when I needed rescuing. But then I would turn away and keep doing my own thing. And during that time when I was 17, 19, 18, 19, I was at the University of Hawaii. I was headed for... Um, Air Force. I was on a fast track with ROTC. I met a girl and I fell in love. And when I fell in love, I fell in love hard. And then what began to happen was I began to realize that things were not the way that they were supposed to be. I was doing the wrong things. And then all of a sudden I found out that I'm going to be a father younger than I'm actually ready for and out of wedlock. So what I did, I did the right thing, I believe, was at the time when I married her. We got married right away. By the time we were married, we were 19 years old. I had to quit school and I realized that we are ill-equipped to do this. It went from bad to extremely worse. I became the person I never thought I would become. And I'm sure she felt the same way about herself as well. We were trying the best that we could. God was not in the middle at all. God wasn't even at the top. As a matter of fact, it got so bad that after a while, she decided that she would leave. I could not leave because I had had our little girl. Our little girl was left for me. She became my saving grace. Courtney helped me stay alive. I was that young man that was angry, frustrated, suicidal. I wanted to hurt somebody, but I was hurting myself. I cried out to God, but I didn't know how to reach him. There was no church. I didn't want to go. I didn't realize. I I like God. I didn't like church. You know what I'm talking about? Back then. Because I didn't understand it. And then my friends kept witnessing to me. That's what they called it, witnessing. I didn't know what that meant. I need a witness protection I think at one point in my life but they kept witnessing to me. Kept telling me you got to come to my church. And I said I don't want to go to your church. They said you got to come to my church. I was working at this valley at a restaurant. You got to come to my church. They saw what what everything was doing was happening to me. I was in that pit. You got to come to church. I don't want to go to church. You got to come to my church. I don't want to go to your church. You got to come to my church. I don't want to go to your church. He goes, "Tell me about your church then." I said, "Well, our church our pastor wears jeans." He wears jeans in church? Yes. That's interesting. What does he teach from? He teaches from the Bible. He teaches from the Bible? Are you kidding me? That's weird. He goes, I know, but he does. I go, what does he look like? I don't know. He's a nice guy. I said, what kind of music you got? We got drums. We got guitars. You got drums and guitars in your church? He goes, yes, we do. I said, dude, drums are from the devil apparently in church. He goes, no, they're not. I said, My well, church I came from, when I grew up, all we had was an older lady playing the organ. Are you serious? He goes, yeah. I said, tell me, what else is going on? He goes, well, he preaches. Well, there's music. Yeah, the people are awesome. And you know what? Um, you know? you need to come. I said, I don't want to go to your church. He would come after week after week. You got to go to my church. You to go? I don't want to go to your church. Finally, he said, you got to come to my church. I said, I don't want to go. He says, I'll buy you breakfast. I said, okay, I'll go. Because <laughs> if you, anybody, when you're 19, 21 years old and somebody's giving you free breakfast, you will go to church. If you, you will endure church even for breakfast, for a grand slam breakfast. Come on, can I get an amen? And he offered a grand slam breakfast. So I got my daughter ready, Courtney was 2, I was 21, I got her ready. We obviously overdressed for church because we didn't know. Put her in her Sunday's vest, I went all dressed up, I didn't know what to expect, I was absolutely scared. I didn't know what was going to happen to me, but I knew I needed God, and I took her there. And I, they, they took her to one room. I was, she went, Dad, and they took me to another. I went, oh, and I went over there, and it was an elementary school. It was hot. There was no air conditioning. Back then, we had overhead projectors. There was a guy with an overhead projector, Now I just need to let you know that I used to be a karaoke singer, karaoke is what you call it, but where I came from, it's called karaoke. I, I would tell Pastor Jared, I'd walk in, win the contest, drop the mic, leave, get the t-shirt. That's how it was in Hawaii back in the day you pay two dollars for a song people would give me two dollars to sing the song for them i can't sing like i used to but that's the way that it was back in the day and i walked in and i saw the worship songs to god i saw the lo- you know what i said from an unchurched guy i walked in and I said that's love songs to god that's love songs to god that's what it looked like like love songs they were ballads to god and i couldn't believe the words that were being used And I sat there in the second row, right where you are, next to you, right next to you. I was not on the aisle, but I was right there on that black seat. I was right there. I was sitting right there. And I saw the worship, and I saw people raising their hands. I got nervous because I said, these are Jesus freaks. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I heard all about them, seen them on TV. Where are the snakes? Any snakes coming out pretty soon? (laughs) Anyway, that's what I thought. And I saw this, and people worshiping God, and I was amazing. And I, don't know what, I don't know what the pastor said, but I saw him come up, and he was a good-looking middle-aged man. I said, he looks harmless. And he came up, and he preached. And at the end of the service, he gave, he gave an altar call. And he said, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to go ahead and lift up your hand. And I lifted up my hand, and my life has never been the same since. And I can tell you from that very moment on, I realized the goodness and the redemption of God but i can tell you that even though i said jesus i need you somehow some way i'd still built up my wine press now i don't know how you end up in wine presses sometimes we jump in i think i jumped in sometimes we fall in economy happens stuff happens we fall in or sometimes the most sinister of all somebody pushes us in maybe you were pushed in when you were younger and maybe you thought that you can't get out. But what happens is when we stay too long, we decorate it. We go to Home Depot. We, you know, we, we, we make it look all good, livable. And we cope and we say this is the way that it's supposed to be. This is what I think that is happening to Gideon. Gideon is trying his best with the what, what he had. Gideon's working his tail off. He's throwing it up. He's lifting up his winnowing fork and he's hiding it from the Midianites and he's doing whatever he can. He's manufacturing his own air because you need the air. I can imagine him blowing, but nothing's happening and all the rubbish and the chaff and he's working twice as hard just to get the results that he's trying to get and he's doing everything that he can with the circumstance that has been given to him. Might not have been his fault, could have been part of the problem, but whatever it was, he was doing the best he can with what he had been given. Sometimes when we're stuck in wine presses too long, here's three things that happen in the wine press problems. Number one, we get a lack of vision, we can't see. The Bible tells us without vision, the people perish, the people cast off restraint. And what happens is when we can't see beyond our circumstances, our mindsets, as Pastor Jared had talked about earlier, the way that we view things, we can't see because there's too much chaff, too much rubbish, and we can't see the goodness of God and what he's trying to do in our life. Number one, it's the lack of vision. Second thing that happens when we've got wine press problems is, number two, we get a skewed perception. Gideon says to him, if God is really with us, and he's playing into the hands of Satan, our adversary, the devil, who wants you to check on the goodness of God, to not trust on the goodness of God, to think that God may have punishing you. Maybe God is doing this to you, that maybe this was God all along and God doesn't care. And that's how Gideon was. If God is really with us and all these miracles that we heard about in Israel back in the day in Egypt, he starts questioning the goodness of God. Guys, when you are stuck in wine presses or when you're at least there for a period of time, we lose our vision we either get a skewed perception of what God is trying to do in our life or trying to help us from, or number three, we get a distorted self-image. A distorted self-image. He says, I am the least of my family in the half-tribe of Manasseh. I am the lowest that you could ever think of. In other words, he is dumbing down everything about himself because of what's going on with a nation. And even though it could going, be going on with a nation... It's not the way that he was. It's not the way that God saw him. God called out something in him. God called it out. It's the angel of the Lord, everybody. When the angel of the Lord appears in the scene, it's, it's known to be a pre-incarnate version of Jesus Christ. That Before the virgin birth, before that, that God sends his son in human form, or not necessarily in human form, but in an angelic form, being an angel of the Lord who steps into humanity for a brief period of time to encourage those who need encouraging. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro to strengthen those whose hearts are for him. God wants to strengthen your heart. God wants to strengthen your journey. God wants to come alongside you, come behind you, to show you great and mighty things that you do not yet know. That's what he wants to do. And what begins to happen in Gideon's life, God jumps into into the winepress with him and gets him out. Number one, it's the vision thing. God wants to help you with your vision. Number two, he doesn't want to just help you with your vision. He wants to help you with your identity, your perception of how you see yourself. Number three, the distorted self-image, the identity part, the who am I, why would God use me, how could God use me? I had those questions all the time. People even ask that question, how can God use him? I even ask that question a lot. God, you realize, how can you call me to the ministry when I hardly, I just came to know you. And all of a sudden, I remember seeing, sitting in church in my second week. I'm sitting in there, the same seat. My friend brought me in the same seat. I ended up sitting in the front row. I was a front row guy or a second row guy. You know why? I learned that I wanted to be closer to the fire. When the fire was right there, I'll be close to the fire. I was right there. i also evaluate my pastor's clothing. Anyway, I will also remember that while I was there, that I, the Lord spoke to me. Into my heart of hearts, not audible, but inside. You're going to be doing that one day. You're going to be doing that one day. You're going to be doing that one day. (laughs) You know how long I waited on it? I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell anybody about it because everybody would have laughed. I laughed myself. I said, Lord, this is like 20 years in the making. This is like 15 years in the making. There's no way that that's going to happen. And it took almost as long. God did it because why? He removed the distorted self-image. Some of us, the way that we see ourselves, man, you should not see yourself that way. God didn't do that. God doesn't make you like that. God loves you. He cares about you. He didn't create you in the self image that you might have for yourself. Stop hurting yourself. Stop self sabotaging yourself. Stop looking in the mirror and judging yourself by everybody. Come on, everybody's a model on Instagram. Everybody's a model on Instagram. (laughs) You're beautiful. You're awesome. You're amazing. Not perfect. You're being perfected. God's changing things. You're here, aren't you? Sunday, and you're here. I know football just ended, but you're here. (laughs) And you're in the right place. God's gonna speak to you. Last one that he had a problem with trust issues. He got trust issues. If you're truly gonna be with me, if you're truly gonna be with me, if you're truly going to be with me, that's what he kept on saying. If you're really going to be with me, Lord. And we all know the story. He puts out a fleece. We're not going to go through that because we're in the story. He's testing God. God, if you're really going to be with me, I'll put out the fleece. Though I wake up in the morning, there will be dew on the fleece but not on the ground. Switches up the next day. God, good job. Shows up the next day. All right, Lord, if there's going to be dew on the grass but none on the, on, on the fleece, you're God. Does that to God twice. What begins to happen is he God begins to release him. God begins to speak to his future. God begins to do something amazing because why? Because God is raising up this man to lead a nation back to him and have victory over the Midianites, their archenemy at the time. So how do we press? How do we press through these seasons? First of all, you got to say, in my opinion, I might be stuck. I've been here for too long. Not here. 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 Yeah. Maybe... For far too long, you've been living off the past successes and thinking that that's as good as it could have gotten, but it can get a whole lot better. Maybe you're living according to the past failure and you're gun-shy now, you're not going to take a chance because that business failed, you're not going to take a chance on love because it didn't work the last time, you're not going to take a chance on church because you got hurt at the last one and you're stuck, but you realize like that young couple that is in that group and that young gup couple that was in that video. From the very beginning about their circles. And he said, we were stuck. And we got into a circle. And that circle did something to us. Maybe for some of you, it's jumping into a circle. And God wants you to grow. Can I tell you that I didn't even have a circle for the first two years of my relationship with Jesus Christ? When I got saved, I was too busy working. I was working at American Airlines full time. I was working for a a valet. I was just trying to make ends meet to put my daughter through whatever she needed and get babysitting and stuff like that. And I remember that I wanted to be a part of the connect, but I was afraid to join a circle because I thought everybody would know all about me. I, was, I had that self-image problem. I thought everybody would judge me. I'm a single dad. I felt embarrassed about that. So I didn't go. I didn't jump in a circle, and I didn't serve, but I went every single Sunday. But I didn't realize what I was missing. I didn't realize how much I would grow. And I jumped into that circle. You know what I found? I found love. Well, the first one didn't go so well because that one didn't work out, but the second one did. And some of you might have gone through your first circle. You said, like, ah, I tried it. didn't work out for me. Try another one. Right. On. There's more than one circle in this church. Right. You got hundreds of circles in this church. And I jumped into my second one. And when I found my second one, I couldn't believe it. That was the catalyst for what I do today. I couldn't believe it. I grew like fertilizer. I was this plant that get then that, that all of a sudden, God dropped fertilizer and went boom. Then I started serving and even more than ever before, I, grew, I couldn't believe how much I grew because I served and because I was part of a circle rather than just being in the stands. And even just being in the seats and in the stands, I thought I was growing, but not as much until I jumped into a circle. How do you press through the wine presses? Number one, you got to see it through. You gotta see it through. You gotta see it through the tough seasons of life. You gotta see it through. You gotta see through the trouble. You gotta see through the pain. You gotta see through the situation. Can I get an amen? You gotta see it through. You gotta hold fast. You gotta trust God. And you've got to just see it through. Because when you see it through, God begins to do amazing things. Your current situation, your future destiny, is beyond your current reality. You got to see beyond the past and see through the future in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number one, you got to see it through. Number number two, you got to see it new. Gideon had to see it new. He had to see it with new eyes. He had to see it from a fresh perspective. He had to see it absolutely different. Absolutely different. God blessed me with Lisa 24 years ago. Actually, she brought, he, got, he brought her into my life about 25 years ago. I'm 50, so you might be doing the math. And Okay, so go backwards. <laughs> Single dad for three, four years. Okay? Pure all the way. Didn't, didn't, didn't sidetrack my destiny. Waited. Prayed specifically. When, I, when it was time, I said, God, if I can ever get married, if you ever trust me, and I prayed these three, these three things because I heard Pastor Jack Hayford, his mentor, my good friend, my mentor, he would say this. He says, Mike, I heard him, he didn't, say, he didn't speak to me on the radio. I was discipled on the radio, by the way. I'd be driving on the radio to work. Today, you got podcasts. To me, I was on the radio, Christian radio. I listened to guys like Mike McIntosh in San Diego. I listened to a guy named Chuck Smith. I listened to a guy named Jack Hayford. And I'd be listening to him, and all of a sudden, I'd get discipled by the radio. And I heard Jack Hayford say, he says, look, if you are going to pray, pray specifically. And I came from a thought that my thoughts were, who am I to ask God for anything? Who am I to tell God what I want? And he says, you're not doing it. You're praying specifically. Let the Lord's will happen at the end of the day. So I said, okay, Lord, I, I don't want to play the field, God. I don't, have to, I don't go to the club. I don't want to find anybody there. I Don't have time to go searching in the church, God. You just got to bring her to me because I don't have time. I can't date. You know what I'm talking about? I don't have time to date. I don't have time to play the field. I don't have time. I don't have money to spend. I just need to know which is the one. So, Lord, can I pray specifically? Lord, can she be five foot seven, God? Five foot seven. Five foot seven. Rest my chin right there. Five foot seven. And I said five foot seven because I didn't want short kids. I said I told Lisa later I should have gone five nine, but five foot seven. I said, can she be gorgeous Chinese? Gorgeous Chinese. I don't know why Chinese. I, I, I don't know why. I said, Lord, can she be gorgeous Chinese? got drop dead. Oh, my gosh. I said, can she love Jesus more than she loves me? Because that's the most important one. Because if he lo- she loves Jesus more than she loves me, we can make it through anything. A woman who loves Jesus, because I love Jesus, will make it through anything you know what? God was hiding her on the Friday night singles service back in the day. Today we call it young adults, but back then they called it singles service. They had a single, hey, if you want single to single and mingle, man, single love to mingle, hey, you go Friday nights. But I was an old man at 26, 20, 24, 25 years old. I felt like an old man. Sorry about the spit, everybody. Front row, spit. You know you're going to get it. He's used to it. He's, 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 what happens is this. I would go to the 815 service. I called it the old people's service. The old people went to 815. And the partiers went to Friday night, and they came to the last service on Sunday. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you guys, okay? I just wanted to see God was hiding her on Friday night, and he was preparing me on Sunday morning. And we never saw each other for three years. And all of a sudden, I prayed that prayer, and I just waited. And there, I show up at a young first singles Christmas party feeling like an older man. I don't belong here but I'm going with my friends and there she is. Lisa Lum working the table. Volunteering for the singles ministry. She had the the list, the roster of everybody went to church. She saw my name and she called me the next day and I told her, you stopped me and abused your privileges as an employee. (laughs) As an employee, you abused your privileges. But I said, I'm so glad you did. And here we are, married within a year, 24 years later. We were flying home from New Zealand. I'm going to land this plane figuratively. Flying home from New Zealand, we are at a conference with Paul DeYoung at Life. I used to work for American Airlines. And during that time, guys, I I got hired at 18. Quit college, hired at 18. With a heavy heart. I'm cleaning the airplanes at Air New Zealand because we did the contract for New Zealand. I get the rubbish, open up the seat pocket, throw away the rubbish, I'll get the seat belts, crisscross it, fold the blanket, brand new pillowcase, put right there, prop it right up, move to the next seat. Seat pocket, rubbish, seat belt, cross, pillowcase, stuff, new blanket, folded. Move on to the next one. I'd have my, my my Sony Walkman. I couldn't afford a Walkman, so I had an Emerson back then. An Emerson. And I'm wearing my Emerson with my cassette tape on the side, listening to praise band number six. Maranatha praise band number six. And I'm listening to it. But in the meantime, between all of the seats, I'm just doing the best I can with what God gave me. I'm trying to keep my heart pure. I'm trying to keep my life right. I'm trying to help my daughter crisscross the seat pocket blankets and pillows moving on to the next one. There were seasons when I would cry and I wanted nobody to see this and I want nobody to know and I kept my head down and we're flying home from New Zealand 23 years later, 20, 20, years, 25 years later and I get the heavenly bump up. They call me to the podium and say, Mr. Kai, Mr. Kai, we have two seats in business class. Would you like them, sir, I said is the Pope Catholic absolutely I want those seats and so here we are in business class and we're sitting there And I'm in business and I'm looking at my wife we're flying home from New Zealand to go back to Honolulu and I grabbed her hand I said can you believe this Wow! and I said she goes will you pray the food bless the food I said absolutely so I'm looking at I'm looking at the I'm looking at the food and I'm looking at her I'm like oh my gosh I'm in business class with my wife and I pray and as I'm praying I can't get the words out, I'm stuck and she's looking at me, she goes, you okay? I said, it's the pepper, the pepper in the chicken, babe, the pepper, the business class they use a lot of pepper and I'm crying and she goes, what's wrong? I said, babe, when I was 21, when I was 23, I was cleaning seats in this Air New Zealand plane with a broken heart and a heavy heart and here I am. I'm in business class with you and I'm flying on a plane I'm going home and I'm with the love of my life and I can't believe how God has blessed me and look at you right here. I want to encourage somebody in this place and no matter if it's business, no matter if it's marriage, no matter if it's relationship, no matter whatever you're going through, number one, you got to see it through what it is because God will make a way as you see it through. Number two, you got to see it new like you've never seen it before. And then number three, you got to see it good you gotta see it good because man when I look back at the wine press season of my life it was good I didn't know it was good but it was good it was good I don't ever want to go back there again I don't want to ever go back there again but I can tell you I look back and it was good some of you have been through something similar Some of you have been through the most difficult times imaginable. But I want to encourage you, see it good, see it new, and see it through. In Jesus' name, can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes?